Hey, welcome to Creative Block. We're your host, Jean. And V, we interview people in the animation industry about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We asked people on Twitter if they had specific topics they wanted us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. And today with us, we have Zoe Moss. Hey! Hey! <laughs> oh, oh my god, we got Zoe. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, Zoe, tell us who you are and what you do. I, so my name is Zoe Moss. I store, as my day job, as I like to say, I storyboard, but I've kind of, I've done a little bit of everything that's sure not backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so like when I started, for example, I was cleanup. I went to animation, went back to cleanup and did, I've done design for character and, and eventually I, I've even animation directed once and uh, I was lucky enough to make my way into storyboarding and I'll go over, uh, I'll go over that later, but um, storyboarding has been the thing that kind of combined everything. So I, that's why I've stuck with it. Cause it's just, it, it fits. Mm-hmm. And when I'm not doing storyboards, I'm like, I'm painting, I'm sculpting. Yeah. I'm wonder <laughs> like, everybody in animation right now yeah, apparently I, I have a i have a 3d printer and, and i've tested it and so i'm hoping to go somewhere with that and i i i also just my husband and i just bought a house and so i'm discovering like oh i can dance that again. is so cool there's actually like room to move yeah. so i a crazy I, I like to dance <laughs> enjoying your living space yes <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah, that's the curse of all of us uh, LA artists is we're stuck in our tiny apartments with no room to breathe. Um, but uh, yeah, you've done a lot. You're definitely, you're a highly artistic person, I would say. Oh, um, thank you. And I've seen, I mean, you've curated galleries even. It's well, not I've even just that. A, a gallery with, with my husband who, I mean, I guess I should probably say he was here last time. It's Jacob. Yeah, yeah, Jacob's Jake's trick. trick. Yeah, we've interviewed Jake. Uh, I think his episode probably go up before yours, so uh, the the audience I, has I, heard it. I think so. Um, but yeah, like, uh, so, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we've kind of, I, I've, I definitely done a lot because I, I always like to try new things, um, especially art based. Like, uh, I mean, if there's a technique that's new, I. I'm definitely going to want to try it at least once. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And by that, I mean, like I said, 3D printing. There's now um, people are starting to make rugs, and that looks like a lot of fun. Like, I just... Yeah, what is that So, who knows? (laughs) Yeah, it's like, um, I don't know. I got to look into it. Like, that. I just know that I keep seeing these beautiful, handmade, artisanal rugs. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, man, I want one. And also, I want to make one. But yeah. um, but yeah, it's just like I like I like to play, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I'm always coming back to I think, uh, painter sensibility about my art. So like that influences everything I do. That's really mm-hmm. cool. Um, yeah, I I think you your personal work shows that because you've done so many different things. Like you've done, um, like relief, um, drawings oh, and you yeah. know stuff like that. Like I. I it's it's really interesting because I think that you've managed to combine all these skills into a really interesting like body of physical media, you know, physical work, not just digital. Thank you. 
And I, and yeah, it's kind of hard to, to come by. No, I was just, <laughs> just going to give you more compliments. Uh, yeah, I yes, think yes. that like it, uh, you don't see that as much anymore. It's, it's, mm. I think a lot of artists just dwell in the digital, which is totally fine, but it's cool with how much stuff you just do with your hands. Well, I think you. it's also just like a, a different kind of sensibility. And that actually kind of um, uh, prompts me to like ask you, like, was this something that you were always doing like as a kid? Were you always kind of very tactile with like art? Absolutely. And um, mm -hmm. so I'm going to say off the bat, I'm very fortunate that growing up, I had, well, my mom is, and it has always been a professional artist. Like she was when I was growing up, the way she supported the family, which was my dad and I, was she would do interior decorative painting. But, like, we're, you know, sh there's painting a wall and then there's doing the research, getting, like, oh, you want, you want to, you want your whole wall to look like a, like, mid-century, like, torn-down building? Sure, I can do that. Or... Oh, you want this uh, whole wall hand stenciled and in uh, five colors? Yeah, I can do that. Oh, mm. you need um, you need this pattern uh, to be stenciled, and you need you know, like we we aren't using computers yet, so she could do. Right. She can still do patterns on the fly. Oh wow! Like, so as you can tell, I had a very healthy. Like my mom has always been. I I mean I don't think. I think if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have my sensibilities. So she's a painter. She's always been big on, on traditional and just getting your hands. She loves oil paint, for example. So I've always had that exposure to getting your hands dirty and really playing with real media. And, and I'm so thankful for that. And I got, I think, my love of horror movies and, hmm. and kind of the animation and that stuff from my dad. So... Like, I mean, my mom loves it, too, but my dad is definitely the one who was showing me the horror movies and the things that you're not really supposed to show yeah, right. your daughter when she's three, which is to say, um, like, horror movies. You turned out all right. Uh, and, and, oh, thank you. Although I was really scared of everything as a kid. Yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> yeah. Who, who, who was like, I, I, but, like, here's the, and I'm so sorry if I go into tangenty, because... I mean, I'm a, I'm the tangent queen, as I like to say, because ADHD is fun. So, it is. Um, what's it called? So, growing up, I was scared of everything, like I said, because my dad, you know, my mom introduced me to painting. My dad used to show me cartoons and movies that he used to watch when he was a kid. So, like, he also worked at a facility that could, like, he had access to VHS um, copying uh, tech, basically. So... And we lived near a really cool rental place called Video Journeys. It hasn't been around for at least a de like had decade and a half, sadly. But it was in Silver Lake near uh, near near John Marshall High School. Loved it. But um, my dad would would make these copies of like Beanie and Cecil or uh, or Max Fl or yeah Fleischer cartoons or all that. So I I grew mm -hmm. up with that stuff. Um, and. And then also, like, scary movies that he grew up with. So, mo like, B-horror movies and sci-fi movies from the 50s and 60s that I don't think many other mm -hmm. kids were watching. Like, It Came mm -hmm. From Outer Space, Attack of the Killer Crab Monsters, It Conquered Earth, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, a, a lot of things that did things. And <laughs> and so, like... Things that did things. <laughs> it, it's basically That's all the scariest movies. one. <laughs> it's going to do 
Something. Look out. It's going <laughs> to do things. Yes. And I can definitely, I need to, I mean, that, you know, I'll definitely, I should definitely save some of that stuff for the inspiration segment. Yeah, that's all fluid. Can you can talk about it now. That's, if it's, if it shaped you, that's relevant now. Oh, well, yeah, I'll, I'll just mention, like, I grew up with, with those films, and on one end, well, this all ties into the, okay, scared as a child. So, yeah, I was scared of everything, because if I heard a dog bark, and our neighbors had a, had a couple of, I think, sheepdogs, I, I don't fully remember, but what I do remember was, oh, no, they're the killer shrews, they're gonna eat me. So I was terrified of the neighbor's dogs. Um, at one point, I think I saw, uh, this wasn't even a movie. This was a comic book panel by, I forget his first name, but Klaus, uh, I forget his name, but I think he, he did, um, Ghost World. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Daniel Klaus. Thank you. Like, this is so random, but this is so random, but I think it was him, uh, who, like, I, I saw a comic one time of... He had drawn like molecules, and mm. I think he was talking about water. And I saw that panel. I thought, "Oh, that lives in water." And so for about probably three months, I didn't take oh, a, no. a bath, but I showered because for some reason in my brain the logic was they can't get me if I'm if I'm in the shower because they can't I can't get in the soup of myself. That's really so. Funny. <laughs> just to say that, like, just I guess it's more about yeah, I was scared of everything my mom would get sometimes she would be really mad because like mm -hmm. Zoe if if you're this scared why why are you watching the witches and like why are you yeah. watching all these horror witches movies is fucked up. I, it is especially when you're a kid when you're a kid it's fucked up when you're an adult you're like this sucks the pacing yeah. is all is, is <laughs> well, terrible but yeah I mean I'm not gonna lie I will I, yeah it's it's a mixed bag but I will always have a soft spot for it oh I because, get it because uh, I'm also horrible with names. Angelica Houston. Okay, that she yeah. is the reason for that movie. Yeah, totally. So she owns can't it. deny. Yeah, I think that everything you're describing kind of makes sense because I think, you know, you say that you were scared of a lot of stuff, but what I'm hearing is that you had a, a, a big imagination. And, oh, oh, absolutely. You know, and, and so it's like, that's like raw energy that you just didn't know what to do with as a kid. <laughs> Um, and it's, did your parents kind of push you into anything specifically creative? Cause your, your mom was, and I've met your mom. She's a very lovely woman and she does do a lot. She, yes. she's very much like it, it makes sense that you were, you know, the apple fell from that tree. Like, for sure. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, was she kind of like, yes, Zoe do, do more of this. Oh yeah. I mean, she was, like I said, very fortunate to have. Uh, not just an artist for a mom, but an artist who understood her her artistic daughter's needs. So, yeah. like, she made sure that if I needed watercolors, like, and I mean, not even me asking for it. It's just my mom, I think, innately knew, like, ah, better get her the watercolor set. Interesting. Or, or like, oh, you know, um, Zoe, why don't we go to an art museum? And, you know, being three or something, like, no! Yeah. And, but you know now I of course appreciate that and um and she was like she's always just if I had questions about um, different techniques she was right there she that's great I mean like like I said she like when I was a kid she if the sky was was a uh, was starting to 
the sun was starting to go down and the sky got super colorful and the clouds would be crystal clear. <laughs> she said, Zoe, oh my God, look at that. Look how beautiful that is. And my response, because I was a nasty child, I wasn't a nasty child, but nasty as a kid, child. I was. it's like when you hear that, you're just like, no, I don't care. But as an adult, I'm I'm doing it to my friends. So, yeah. Like she, yeah. And then I'm also going to say, um, so she always encouraged uh like traditional visual arts, but she also is like, I didn't ask for this. She, she made the decision accordion lessons mm-hmm. because, uh, That's right. You grow, play accordion like, too. Yes. I mean, it's, I'm going to, my guiltiest confession is it has been a while, but I still have it. I got a new case for it finally, because the, the other case was falling apart and I love it, but I definitely need to get back into practice because it's like, Oh, I, play those songs they always used to is it play. something that's like you kind of don't forget you just get rusty i think so it's like riding a bike made of uh reeds because it's a wind <laughs> yeah. instrument but um right. but i'll tell you this like what there was a point when i was a teen that i was really getting into teaching myself how to play basically theme songs and wow. specifically anime yeah. theme songs but <laughs> i taught myself and i need to relearn it I taught myself how to play right on shooting star. Hell yeah. And it was a good, it was good. And I just need to, that on a like, I could fit. <laughs> yes. I, <So> funny. <laughs> it would have been so cool, man. It would have been so cool. Um, <laughs> is how it sounds. Just wheezing. Um, yeah. So it's like the, the, but the, the, the instrument part was like my mom from her she, her growing up because she had the same thing she she learned how to play piano like it's the i think it must be a jewish family thing but music is going to teach your kid um you know how to basically learn that's true. and master something of great technical skill yeah and that is something that they can take with them like even if it just teaches your teaches somebody how to be patient or how to like persevere and practice. Like, you're learning that was, to learn, yeah. Exactly. But also you get to if if you're into it, you get to learn a cool instrument mm-hmm. or you get to learn an instrument that Garfield makes fun of and you're like, why does Garfield hate me at a twelve year old? What the fuck yeah. does he know? He's a stupid kid. And he knows what's good what what the days of the week are. I guess that's true. He knows what's good. That's all he, that's all he's got. That's so funny. Yeah. So like you were um so you were doing like a bunch of like different stuff. You were doing like music, you were doing like I guess you were like doing watercolor. You were doing you Yeah, there's oh, I didn't even talk about the I used to be in commercials. You were? Like well, I was You're in a child I actor. think I was in about two. Like I don't know how this happened, but as a kid, my I don't know who which one of uh you know when you're when you grow up in LA, it hap. I think it just happens where some somewhere along the lines, your friend, your parents' friends are like, "Hey, so um, I work in casting of kids, and your kid it would be cool." Yeah, you got a cute LA. kid there. I mean, let me pay yeah, you that, money. Yeah, that cute kid can read. Hey, that cute that that kid sure is cute. Let me pay you money. I'll put him in an ad. Yeah, you ever thought about putting a beautiful child and <laughs> chomping front of a, a cigar? Can we exploit <laughs> hey. your fucking cute little kid? Oh man, that's an ugly ass kid. Uh-huh. I want, I want that kid in a movie. I want an ugly baby. 
Yeah, I want such that kid's perfect for for Gerber. You and Jake have such an interesting uh, experience because, like, you're both LA born and raised, and uh, a lot of people that work in the industry are not from LA. And because, yeah. uh, you know, and that makes sense, because obviously, if you're interested, you're going to move here to work in, in animation. Um, and I think that's an interesting perspective because you both, uh, you know, I'm good friends with both of you. And like knowing the kind of experiences you had growing up, it's like it's surreal to me. Like but and that's just your lives like that, you know, like the child yeah. actor thing. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, I say it, but I know that's not something that typically happens. But it's when formative. you live, I'm not going to lie, when you live in somewhere like LA it's something that can happen and yeah. it, it's it's weird yeah because yeah, it's yeah. like as a kid you don't know what's going on <laughs> right you're just I didn't know dragged. I didn't know why they wanted me to to look at Mott's applesauce <laughs> so all day funny. I just I just wanted to watch Inspector Gadget right I guess I'll I guess I'll just look at Mott's uh <laughs> what was sort of the earliest um creative project that you embarked on that you can remember. Oh. Um, okay, this is gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah. So please. I'll I'll try to I'll try to keep it to because I think there's there's a there's a lot of important ones, but I'm gonna say there's probably three most important, at least that I can remember off the top of my head. So the uh -huh. first one was when I was a kid, like I must probably five or six, maybe even four. I I would watch uh, Tex Avery cartoons because my mom's friend, uh, well, family friend Rick Heitzman, uh, who he works he worked in animation and Pee Wee's Playhouse. Awesome, sweet guy. I love him. But he had a Tex Avery cartoon uh, VHS, so I watched those, and that's where I was like, oh, hey, that that wolf is making a crazy face. I'll make a crazy face character. And so I came up with, in fact, hey, wait, I can draw it if there's room. But um, I had this character named Crazy Dog. Actually, <laughs> is there is there room to draw? Yeah, uh, do you uh, want to do a new page? Yeah, let's go to the next page. Uh, yeah. I want to see Crazy Dog. Oh, good. Yeah, oh, I can still draw. I can still draw my original character, Crazy Dog. Is there a, <laughs> a, ring, a ringtone attached to this? Crazy no, dog. luckily no. It's so crazy. Fuck. Dog was like a normal dog, but when they got like I guess the they saw a crime or something, and they got their summon. Like we need crazy dog. Yeah. So crazy dog would suddenly like mutate into this permanently cartoon hideous cartoon take face <laughs> that um it probably didn't even have a lightning tongue, but I like it. They. Though. They also had like eyeballs. This is what I used to draw oh, all the God. time. All the time, I used to draw this in my in my comp book sketchbooks. Damn. So and in this style. So this was like I. This was my original character. This was my OC. This is your OC. OC. That's so. This is the ancient funny. OC. I think I've seen this somewhere. Like I know you. I think I posted an animated doodle of it once on Twitter and or or yeah. Tumblr. It was like I made this when I was a kid. Um, but what if I may toot my own horn? What I'm really like, what I love about Crazy Dog is I, I didn't. I don't know how I made <laughs> this decision, but Crazy nice. Dog is a girl. Hmm. And has always been a girl, and I just think like, hey, that's cool, little Zoe. Yeah. I like and that. I guess it just, 
I've always I've always put myself into my into my creations. It's, we all do, but it's like you can't help mm-hmm. it, especially mm-hmm. as you go through uh, what's it called therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so a lot of the, like things that I've learned, uh, like old bad habits that now I understand why I used to do them is like, okay, well, there's another, you know, there's another character. Um, this is skipping around, but that's, that's how we're going. So another project, mm-hmm. and I would say crazy dog is more like, uh, like little kid comics. You know, sure. They is stuck like that. And then we start again, but there's another, sh- uh, thing that Jake and I collaborated on, uh, called Inchy and Pinchy. Oh, yeah. And so Inchy and Pinchy, like, I'm not entirely sure. Like, I I do know originally um, it was five second day at Titmouse. Um, and I guess I can talk about that a little later. I worked at Titmouse. It was my first job. And they have five second day where you spend basically a day to a week on a short and they, they screen it at the end of the week. So... Um, I was trying to come up with an idea and and Jake and I were driving home from, uh, I think from Northern California one day and we just, the name Inchy and Pinchy came up and like, like, what is that? I don't know. What do we do? Is it like a crab and an inchworm? What's going (laughs) on? But no, fast forward, um, we made a short with Inchy and Pinchy uh, and Pinchy's a a little green goat and Inchy's an albino corn You should draw them. I should. I will you have draw. Plenty of room. In. Oh, thank you. Um, so Inchi and Pinchy from memory. So, like, the reason I'm still talking about Inchi and Pinchy though, is so they they've been like such great, uh, like such great characters for us because they basically are us. <laughs> just you know, like. And, and the part where the therapy comes into play is Inch, or Pinchy, the lovely goat, has, she's nothing but, like, she just wants to make everyone happy. She's going to be your friend, whether you whether you want to be near her or not. She's just like, you need a friend. <laughs> so, like, that's her whole thing. Oh, trying to reconnect to the board. Oh, no. Oh, now I'm back. Yeah, um, so, so, like, that's her. But what it what she has developed into for me has been like before therapy, I didn't know what boundaries were. And I didn't know that, oh, you can tell somebody if something makes you uncomfortable and if they have a problem with it, it's then your decision to do you want to continue this conversation or relationship or do you want to like, like, do you want to suffer or do you Mm want to like, you know, stand up for yourself? And I never, I didn't grow up with that lesson. So, so for me, where I am now, like where I used to be is where Pinchy is. And so Hmm. it's, she is completely like, she's a people pleaser. She, she doesn't know how to do anything else because it feels wrong if somebody's unhappy. But as Mm -hmm. I've learned, you know, that's not always what people need. You know, they need to work through their pain. And so, you know, one day I'd love to to bring more about that. So, like, mm-hmm. the last episode, maybe she learns, maybe I don't need to be friends with everybody. But I 
don't know if that's what we're going to do. Sure. Well, you'll figure um, it out. And then uh, the last thing I'm going to say is, like, I, I jumped ahead, but I'd say the second biggest project is actually the one that kind of started Jake and my collaborations, which was a comic book that uh, we mm. only did one issue. We still have it all planned out and, you know, maybe one day we'll go back to it, but it's called Monkey Voodoo Doll. Mm-hmm. And you better bet that I was in high school when I made this thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what was really fascinating is um, like, you know, when you're a teen and you start to get into, oh, Sorry, I just saw this really, really cute drawings. Ah! Oh, no. Now where was I? Oh, shit. You um, blew Zoe's mind. I, you did. Thank you. you. You both did. I mean, this is the... I've never had fan art for crazy oh. Well, there you go. We just... Ah, babies, babies always like, I... I I can move on. I can Are you gonna, yeah, getting fan art is the um, best thing ever. I, I hear you. <laughs> yes. And I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying yeah. to remember. Oh, so yeah, MVD. Yeah. Okay, so MVD Monkey Voodoo Doll was when I started it, um, you know, I didn't know anything about writing comics. I was, you know, super, I was just entering high school. And all I knew is I really like anime and I really like Invader Zim, but I hate it when right. people tell me my work looks like that. Right. But also, I like <laughs> voodoo monkey doll. What? How do I do this? So, so before I'm, and this is all happening before I met Jake, by the way. This is in the. Oh, lead, okay. This is in the lead up to me meeting Jacob. Mm-hmm. So I have this idea for something I want to do called Monkey Voodoo Doll, but in my mind, it's going to be like, ah. Uh, so anime yeah i don't i don't know why but that's what because I, I was super in anime at the time and i met jake like this is really cute we met because a mutual basically a mutual friend and their mom said these two kids need to meet right and we were we were match made they knew essentially they knew it's like these two weirdos gotta meet and so i met jacob uh like i was invited over to the house under the guise of oh you know, Jake's mom is having a mahjong tournament. Why <laughs> mahjong tournament? Why don't we come over and meet and meet Jacob? Like Marla, so specific. Um, my my mother-in-law is the mahjong queen, and it, it's like it's just amazing. That's all. That's how I would describe it. It's it's so cool. Um, like she has gone on on a cruise with her mom for mahjong. That's wow. how cool it is. That's how intense this is. So funny. Um, so so at that at that game, like at that day, I went over to meet Jake. He actually he was in the middle of submitting a film for I for a film festival that was due that day, and so he's like, "I'm so sorry, I have to I have to focus, but I promise when when it's done, I will come out and meet you." So I actually hung hung out with his his brother Sam before I, I hung out with Jake and then when Jake came out and he was ready it was actually kind of towards the end of the day but it's like hi I'm Jacob and this like that was the introduction it's like oh my god this he is the coolest guy oh my god he writes and he's creative and I think he's cute and I'm just meeting him oh hey <laughs> would you like to write my comic and 
And he said yes, and so, you know, like, what was really astounding about that, aside from the fact there's, like, two instant friends also instantly collaborating, was he was, when I saw the ideas he was coming up with for, for Monkey Voodoo Doll, it was like, wait, this isn't anime at all, and it's really good. And, like, Jake was, he was coming up with really original stuff and, and good. Like, he was making my idea make sense. And so, like, it also was a huge labor of love because, you know, I, because this is high school and, and like, early, like, what's it called? Junior and, and freshman level. Mm-hmm. I think, like, the second page of the comic, I think I spent a week inking it. Like, nonstop, because, you know, at that point, you're so passionate that if you have an idea, you're going to see it through no matter how long it takes. And so it's like, yeah. I, I know I still have the art somewhere, but it's like, holy crap! It's what? easier than, yeah. Yeah, it's now I can barely sit in a chair all day. Ha! Ah, the our, joke is all day. Our creaking bones. <laughs> it's true. I Being 30, I, I am not... I'm 32, I think. 33. Oh, we're the same age. Are we the same age? Yeah. I always thought you were a little older than me. Oh! No, I mean, um, I'm going to have to double check because I really just, you know, when you you mess up one, when you don't celebrate one birthday, it kind of throws off the rest. Well, this, yeah, we've, uh, we kind of just are pretending 2020 didn't happen, I think, so. (laughs) What? We're all (laughs) one year. What's a 2020? Yeah, exactly. What? We're all one year younger than we're actually supposed yes. to be. Um, we get a freebie. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah. Uh, Jake talked about it a little bit. Well, actually quite a bit. Um, and I think uh, the creative partnership you guys have is really endearing. And and it's nice to have those people in your life that you can, like, trust with your ideas and, um, yeah. and kind of, like, push each other along and, and help. What, uh, and so what, how old were you when you first met Jake? I think I was like, and keep in mind, we were just meeting to become friends. Like, sure. Oh yeah. So I met him when I was 12, I okay. think. Man, or maybe crazy. like 12 going on 13. And, you know, so we started as really like, we started as friends. And then two Aww. years later we started dating when he gave me my first kiss. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah. That's so long. Like that's amazing. That they, like, like you found each other that young. Yeah, I'm I'm blown away, and I can I like I I don't question it. I'm just thankful because like I I love Jake, and I love that not only am I with somebody who I who I get to be romantic and have fun with as a friend, but he's also my creative partner, and right. we basically. We speak the same language, we oh, share the same really brain, cool. but we're also still able to surprise each other uh, positively. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really good. Yeah, like the thank you. Like I'm gonna just outright say it. It Jake is basically like I like for story art, for example. You know, I always could tell a basic story, but mm. it was Jake who really shaped my understanding of how to tell a story visually. Yeah. And especially with, with storyboards, like when I started, Jake was, was current, he was at USC and he was taking classes by Bruce, uh, taking a class by Bruce Block, who is 
absolutely integral to story artists education in my opinion like he does talk so if anybody listening ever is offered a chance to experience one of Bruce Block's talks you go and you will learn and he is so cool and um, so Jake is like he would tell me about what he was learning from Bruce Block so I was I was essentially not just getting mm-hmm. this amazing opportunity to learn but I was getting really solid like learning information for that for technique so like it's it's been a very like i'm so thankful that i'm with the partner who is that willing to be patient and share with me and and help me grow and you know just like i've for example he's taught me so much about how to appreciate sound design and, mm-hmm. and live action and filmmaking and and just like classic mm-hmm. well uh, I want I want to say in classic movies, but what I meant is like just the beauty of film. I love filmmaking. And then on the other side of things, I've taught him like how to appreciate animation and the technology that goes into animation and the pipeline of an animated project. And and so we've both kind of we've both been able to build this incredible like multifaceted two person team that also sort of speaks the same brain language yeah i yeah that's it's really hard to find and i think the finding it that early definitely shaped both of you clearly um yeah because you have such a such a distinct voice between the two of you um where where did you go to college i went to cal arts (laughs) but but to get more specific i actually went to cal arts for experimental animation which do people know that that exists? I, I mean, no, I don't know if they do. I knew because I had looked into Cal Arts when I was looking into colleges, but and it's oh. it, experimental animation is interesting because um, it's uh, from what I understand, it's a little easier to get into. Um, I, I think it's like I, I think it's the different uh, criteria right. of what they want. Right, yeah. right. Um, and uh yeah i mean i know a lot of talented people that came out of that and and not character animation which is maybe the more like popular one. Oh, absolutely it's, well it's, uh, i feel like yeah character animation is like if you kind of are shooting for like the the more mainstream studios and experimental is more like if you're interested in just kind of like exploring and just uh what kind of like animation as an art form more than as a uh, consumer good kind of yeah I, I do think like that's how I would think about it was basically because it's it like I guess the best way to say it is they're both incredibly like different but similar it's you don't want to put a blanket term but at the end of the day you kind of have to because how else am I going to explain it it's um I always considered Character animation was the department that was going to train you for a job in animation right. for TV right, and, right. and feature. But it was like, if you oh. went into character, you were being trained for a job in the industry. Like a that was how I always saw it. Mm. And with experimental, it was more about, I think, animation more focusing on the like the art side of it and sort of like the, how do you art make your animation? How do you try new techniques how do you really like how do you express yourself 
through animation. And for some people, you know, that is character. For me, it's definitely character. Like, I, I actually applied to both character and experimental. I, like, grow... I went to CESA, which uh, is, I think it's California State Summer School of the Arts, also known as Interspark. I really hope it's still around, but I actually don't know, especially with COVID. But mm. it was a really vital part of me both discovering, oh, you can learn animation in school, and then also, oh, this thing is mm. held at CalArts. I want to go to CalArts. So, but the funny thing about CISA is it's actually taught primarily, I think, at least when I went, mm. by experimental animation alumni. So, it's, so like, but when I, so when I entered, um, when I applied, I was like, I'm I want to be in character. I want to train, you know, I want to really understand, like, I want to learn how to draw, even though I, I think I know how to draw. And I, and I think, well, also apply to experimental because who knows what will happen and i got into experimental and not uh character and i was shocked because I'm like what but all, all the people that i know who looked at my portfolio said but then i realized well you know this is not this is a different plan but it's not a bad one you know so hey got into experimental animation i don't know what that necessarily means at this point in my life but if I want to, I can transfer into character. Okay. So I go to CalArts and quickly I discover, wait, I kind of, I like it in experimental. And I still get to actually hang out with my character friends. And if I want to, I can actually take a few character classes. So yeah. I did do that. I was able to, to get that experience. I'm very thankful that they let you do that because... On the flip side, like we had character kids and other other people from other departments learning experimental. And so one of the things that was incredible about experimental is it's also where the stop motion part of the school was. So that's why I eventually settled with experimental because like, oh, you know, I, I've been doing animation in high school for so long and like I, I started you know, playing with Flash and animation. But the one thing that I haven't done is stop motion and I've always loved it. So CalArts uh, gave me the opportunity to actually to go down that path. And it was incredible. Mm -hmm. And I love stop motion, but oddly enough, I never got to go like into that professionally. I just kept doing drawn animation. But and I'm yeah, yeah, so yeah, thankful yeah. that I could. But it's like, it's funny when your whole... You, you focus on one thing for so long and then, ooh, I'm, I'm doing this now. Do you, do you think that had you not gone to CalArts, do you think that um, you would be in the same place or do you think that it really did, like, help you? I think that, I mean, that's a really good question because I think the thing that has kept driving me isn't necessarily... Like, what I learned at Cal... Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, just starting over. I think I would have fallen down a similar path. Like, I think the trajectory would have been pretty similar right. because of just who I am. And yeah. With with the art... Uh, the art education I was getting from inside the house, my, my mom, and just all that. So I think, like, I didn't know this when I was applying to colleges, and I, I think it was actually still very, very 
fresh. I don't know if they had even done it yet, but I know RISD, for example, they have an animation program that I think has evolved into a really phenomenal one. And, you know, if I had known that, maybe I, maybe I would have applied to RISD, except I actually thought about applying to RISD as a painter because my mom, because she went to RISD for, for painting. So, so it's like, that could have been something, but Mm. I think once I, like, basically, the other part is I didn't apply to any other schools except for CalArts. I was just, Uh I was one of those kids who, I know what I want, I don't want to go to college unless it's this. And, you know, my, like, I was being told by very smart adults, like, uh, you should, don't you think you should apply to other schools in addition? Like, no, I want CalArts. It's like, but don't you think maybe you should have a backup plan? It's like, I don't know. The picture so, you're painting of Zoe as a child is, like, fucking horrible, by the way. I I am so sorry. It's just, like, constant, like, <laughs> tantrums and, like, I, kicking and screaming. Is, God, I'm sure you I, were a very I, sweet I, child. I just want I wanna... was, but I'm definitely like, thank you. Because, yeah, no, I think I'm making myself sound like <laughs> Every a terrible you're like, And then I was like, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. Yes. Um, <laughs> thank you. No, like, so luckily I was actually a good child. Yeah, I'm, but, I'm sure you were. Yeah. I've asked my mom. My mom says I'm cool. Oh, yeah. So, uh, what was I going to Oh, yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, the app, if I could go back, I would definitely have applied to more schools because, you know, I'm lucky that I got into CalArts when I did because it allowed me to, oh, my plan, I guess, sort of worked. But, you know, that was luck. I would say my only piece, like my, my, okay, the original question was, do I think I would have gone down the same path? And the answer is similar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I, I ask because I think you have such a strong resolve like and i think in a strong sense of what you want to do and uh we've talked to lots of different people with lots of different journeys and some people go to college some people don't but i think that what ultimately matters is like are you willing to put in the work and do you have something to say you know um and from my perspective i feel like yeah i think i think you definitely would have ended up in the same place more or less and because obviously who who knows who knows who knows our lives go if we don't do exactly huge life-changing things um but i think that somebody like you like would be fine either way i feel like there's also one cool thing that you said is that like you were doing flash animation when you were in high school yeah i i don't even remember how i okay i think i i'm remembering that Going into CISA taught me, like, for the first time, how to actually create a moving, a moving thing. And so once I came back, I, I met uh, Kyle Carosa at the time. Like, I, I met him because at the time we were internet friends on DeviantArt. And he, you know, like, talked to him and he introduced me. I think he might have been the first real person to introduce mm. me to Flash. Mm. So... From there, I suddenly was realizing, wait, I can I can hand draw a frame, and I don't have to scan anything. I don't, like so. I was using Flash as basically a like I would use it like traditional animation. I didn't know how to use right. symbols or any uh, like 
I don't even no. know if I knew how to make buttons to say press play. No. Maybe I do. <laughs> but remember that? Yeah. Mm, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, like Flash was so revolutionary for me because it was a way for me to effectively learn how to make my own animations and have them, you know, as much as I was capable of. Like digital coloring looks better than you know, shitty scanned drawings, unless that's what you're going for. So it really allowed me to learn and not worry about thing. Like also onion, onion layer, onion, onion skin. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was Super a huge helpful. plus. So like flash is very useful for teaching me how to animate drawings. Oddly enough. Like it, I, I definitely, I think equate it with did that. You, um, did you post your animation on, uh deviant art or like where did you post at the time it was definitely deviant art like i i think i wanted to get into new grounds but it just never quite like i think i was so used to the right. deviant art system yeah that i was like i don't know about this like tried and true website that yeah. scares me i'm gonna do but deviant art like people actually comment on my stuff yeah. i'm gonna do that and it was great like it did allow me to to really connect and try things and oh, remember back in the day when you could uh not have to be on every social That's media a... <laughs> you yes. could just pick the one that uh was was better to you yeah remember when we had art community websites that actually oh, like didn't have an uh an algorithm it wasn't that a feed was <laughs> yeah you actually had I'm to sorry <laughs> anyway yeah this is gonna become old people <laughs> laugh at do you remember Lycos? old people yell at cloud if you could, if you could like pick, because you do so many different things, but if you could pick any specific skill that you feel you value the most, what do you think that would be? Oh God! Gun to your head. Uh, the what? Gun don't to your head. <laughs> oh, gun to my head. <laughs> like, don't make this. Uh, that's a hard one, but like the the question is about skills that like I value and don't and would like the one thing that I would keep if I had a choice. I think so. I think what, you know, what do you feel like defines you as a creative? Definitely drawings. Okay. Um, like I, you know, it's the, the reason I'm pausing a lot is because I'm trying to think of how to say it. And oh, it's a loaded question. Yeah. I, I think but it's, it's basically like, so as artists, you know, we all started from a place of joy and, and and discovery. Like, why are we still here? Because when we do a fun drawing, there's a sense of discovery and all that. Yeah. And it's like, for me, the like, when I can be in that headspace of just like, I'm not, I'm not working. I'm just like yeah. drawing, uh, what's it called? Stream of consciousness, which doesn't mm -hmm. happen a lot because you know, at the end of the day, you don't want to, you may not want to think about anything for like a little bit, but you also don't want to draw anything. Um, so unfortunately, it's like, it is hard to go there, but when I can, like this dog thing, I'm actually really happy about it. Cause like it. that, thank you. That came from a place of, I'm just going to have fun with these shapes and see what happens. Oh, it's working. Yay. So like that to me, when you can get that joy, and like I love that about art. That's like 
Mm. I should also mention, like, the the art of animation is something I'm really, like, passionate about. And I definitely want to go into that later. But it's, like, basically it's the creation process and the art and all, and, like, it's all that ability of bringing it all forward and expressing yourself. I think we should get into it drawing. right now. I want to hear your take on it. Oh, okay. So I think this is definitely, like, tied into growing up with a mom who was always teaching, like, not just teaching me how to make art, but the value of, like, expressing yourself through art. And, you know, taking me to museums and seeing this is how this artist, you know, she didn't say this, but this is how this artist expressed themselves. This is, you know, this Mm -hmm. is Francis Bacon. And he, well, look at what he did, because I think you can tell there's a lot on his mind. And if you look at his studio, there was definitely like a lot. Which also, seriously, if if ha, Gene, have you ever seen Francis Bacon's studio? No, I'm gonna Google it right now. Definitely look it up because, like, tangent really fast. Oh my god, Francis Bacon. Yeah, Francis Bacon's studio. I I think it still exists, and you can tour it. This is stressful. As it's left in the same shape it was when he passed this away, sucks. and it's <laughs> it's basically uh, a hoarder, yeah. like a paint, an oil paint hoarder's paradise, or or nightmare palace this is my nightmare um, palace yeah i'm so sorry but um but so that was so i've always had sort of this exposure to how art you can like what it means to really express yourself because express yourself but there's also i have so many things to say and i don't know how to say it with my mouth and if you can channel that into art that's powerful yeah like it's such a it's such a basic primordial thing but that's why it's so important so the art of animation to me um like going in from that is there's the expression but there's also like with the drawing part yes there's all the technical stuff but you know it's still you're making things move that's that's an incredible feat but then there's the technical side of animation and that's where you really get into the like that's where you mix your oil paints or your acrylics. That's where you really get into the the decoding and, and just that's where the magic happens. And I feel so passionate about, I think, when, like, when you see a piece of animation that really touches you, like, you know, people say, oh, Sakuga. But let's say you saw yeah. your first Sakuga, like the first time, and somebody didn't point it out to you. You saw that thing and you were like, this is speaking to me in a way that I don't quite understand, but I am riveted and I love it. Like that to me is, that's what it's all about is creating something that moves and moves you. And, and, and the last thing I'll say, cause I, I, I probably could ramble about this forever is just, it's all dependent on the artist. It's basically just, it's like there's painters and then there's animators, people who move their drawings. And if you can do it, like in a way that it that comes from the heart and comes from you it you know people are going to notice and say oh my god that that spoke to me and i love that yeah no i think this is a great topic um and i used to think about this a lot too i think i like kind of lost sight of it a little bit as i've gotten older i think that um with the change in the way that animation is done not just in America, but in Japan too. Like it just, yeah. I feel like you don't get as many good moments like that. Well, I feel 
no, like... I was I was gonna s go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I feel like animation is just such a like when we were kids, it was still very new. It was still very new, and now yeah, it it's been like twenty five years since, like you know, like Cartoon Network and I mean, Nickelodeon are like, like it's still well, plus. you know, I still get. I still get those moments like um for me like mob psycho was you know blew me back like yeah. it, it's it it just has fun like it, that's the thing it's like i feel like animation should be fun that's yeah. it should that's that's how i've always felt and it's really really disappointing to me that it's become a cheap quote-unquote cheap tool for making just generic like comedies because oh yeah uh, you know they don't want to hire actors for these prime time shows. And so instead they just use animation and it's, it's easier yeah. to tell the same jokes you could tell mm -hmm. in what used to be a sitcom setting. And yeah, the, um, yeah. sorry, go ahead. And I was just going to say, the funny thing is like for all my talk of, of the art of animation, loving it. And, you know, before we, we knew that we wanted to get into animation unless we knew we wanted to do it in the eighties before 88. <laughs> when I was born. Mm -hmm. um, so no, I don't think I wanted to. Basically, animation for the 80s mm -hmm. and the 70s was all basically toy commercial stuff. So, yeah. Like, what's fascinating, because like V said, so much has changed. Like, before we got here, it was like animators were starving for creative outlets because if you were going into animation, in TV anyway, you were gonna work on a he-man show or something that like it paid the bills but i don't know how many people worked on those shows and were like i feel so fulfilled and yeah, i mean i'm not saying it wasn't i'm not saying that it was impossible but i think in general every time i've heard somebody talk about it they're like thank god that's not how it is anymore yeah like um you know it wasn't until nicktoons basically brought creator driven cartoons or creator mm -hmm. yeah creator driven cartoons to the to the forefront it's amazing like that changed animation into what we know it is today people kind of take and that for granted a little bit i think i think so too because when you look at animation now it's like all we know are creative or creator driven cartoons which is amazing but also i think that it Basically, the expectations are totally different. And especially, like, animation should be fun. It, one, like, the whole reason we're here should be to have fun and see where we can, like, if we're not, I'm sure, like, like everybody says, I think, because um, I listened to some episodes, like, if you're not having fun, why, why are you doing this job? Yeah. And absolutely. I mean, we all know, we all know the, the reason is because, like, you worked so hard to get here. Yeah. You don't want to Sunken fuck it cost up. Fallacy. Yeah. But it's like, like I'm at a place now that I was not at where I can look at, you know, I can look at an, a job and yeah. say, is this worth my time? As opposed, and that's still hard. Like you, I still get that urge to like say, yes, say yes. You don't know when you're going to work again. Say yes. <laughs> uh, but you have to learn how to not listen to that because it's really hard. It is really hard, but like people don't have, I think, you know, it's sort of like when you, like, I think this particular group of us three, we, when we mm -hmm. got, the thing that got us into animation and continued to learn and do it was we were doing it for fun and we had, we were lucky we had an audience of some mm -hmm. kind. Mm -hmm. We were getting responses and, and so we were not only allowed to develop our skills and our interest in animation, um, 
like from that place of having fun, but at an early age and and that's incredible. But as we enter, you know, any industry, when you're doing that thing that you love and you don't know boundaries mm-hmm. and you think the I got in I got my first job mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they let me have it, not because I'm skilled. They let me have it's like that's what yeah. you're like you think I'm skilled, but they let me have it. Or you think I'm lucky to be here. They're gonna fire me. Like, so it's like you go from this place of animation is fun and I express myself and then you kind of, it's the same with like, it's really easy to lose that, the thing that brought you there. It's really easy to forget it because you're so overwhelmed just by, cool, I love storyboarding. Yeah. But I really need a break, but I don't know how to give myself a break. So I'm going to not do drawings for a week. And then I'm going to do a couple of all nighters, <laughs> even though I said I'm not going to. But I don't know how to break this cycle because it, I get burnt out and it repeats. So it's like, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah this is yeah. so very relatable. Do you feel like I have like a small theory that like, you know, when you're in college, you have to work so very hard and you're paying to work that hard. And then all of a sudden oh. you, you get paid to work hard. So you're like, well, I might as well work harder because I get paid for this. It's like college, but I get paid. Yes, I don't know. Do I, you feel like that a little bit? <laughs> I don't like, I don't know if I feel that way, but I definitely know there are people who like a lot of, cause I still follow a lot of CalArts friends and You'll see once in a while, at least I used to see a lot more of this until I think people realize like, yeah, healthy attitudes towards working. Mm-hmm. Um, people will say, oh man, I like all the new CalArts students are, are doing their theses and they're all doing their all-nighters and I know it's unhealthy, but it reminds me of being in the trenches and, oh, and I'm just thinking like, no, we need to, we really need to teach people like, we enter animation before we really understand the industry and how it can not just like eat us up if we're not prepared. And it's, it's just, that's the nature of the job. I'm not, I wish it wasn't, but you're dealing with a lot of personalities that you aren't necessarily ready for. Yeah. Or you're, or just like the constant barrage. So yeah, nobody remembers to enjoy themselves because you're being so, overwhelmed with everything and i really wish there you know i'm glad that it feels like for the first time in a long time we're seeing so many people sp- <laughs> i just yeah. saw the guy with the eyes yeah nice like so, channeling so a people- feeling <laughs> thank you channeling a vibe so what's it called like so many i totally lost my voice well i was gonna say uh while you while you collect yourself um that like I yeah I, I agree I've been seeing a ton of people myself included um, post pandemic really like take stock of what matters and um, yes and I think a big part of it was the mushing of home and uh, yes. work and not not being not having not being fooled into having that separation and realizing how awful it is when it becomes your your whole ass life and, yes. and um, yeah sorry I, I was just gonna say that um. The funny thing about when we all started working from home is I didn't realize this, but I like I always done digital work in addition to traditional. In fact, I need to talk about that. But like I've had I have a digital setup for home Mm -hmm. and I always have. So when the work from home order went out, I didn't realize that people didn't have a 
um, setup. Like that was something that people had to struggle to do. And so on one hand, yay, yeah. I totally was prepared. And on the other hand, oh God, I was prepared. Well, it got Wah. tainted. Like my, for me, it got tainted because it stopped. Yeah. It used to be a, a cozy spot where I could do my own yes! stuff. And now it's like, oh God. Yeah, I, like, it's I, a pretty universal thing, I think. Yeah, like, you you don't realize, um, like, if there's definitely one thing I've learned about myself over the past couple of years, thanks to therapy, and and finally getting on ADHD meds after never knowing that I needed them, uh, I definitely recommend, if you ever have any, audience, if you ever have any suspicions that you might have ADHD, definitely see a psychiatrist and yeah. find out, because it can be very helpful. Totally. Um, so... So basically what I was going to say is like, yeah, that feeling of even though I, you got the work, the setup that you love and it's covered by all your favorite toys or all your favorite art. And it's you've got the comfiest gaming chair in the world. But at the end of the day, if you are going to that same computer setup day after day and you have to stay there for hours. And, yeah, but nine it's hours. like I you I get. Some days I can't sit at the computer because just thinking about it makes yeah. me hurt. Yep. And that's the thing is like we're learning so many horrible psychological effects of of everything. Mm-hmm. And but the fact that everyone is sharing is important. Like people are coming forward about like problems that they have had all their lives and finding out. Oh wait, this is actually normal for. Certain, like some people that I had no idea, and it's like, mm. oh my god, we're communicating, sort of. Yeah, we're finding out that I think so. you know, there's when you find out that you're not the only one, it really helps. And if Absolutely. you find out you're the only one, I guarantee you, you're not the only one, there's at least one other person. I think that there needs to be, I usually hate discourse on Twitter because it oh. usually ends up being mm-hmm. like, I feel like it's not even discourse, it's, no, just, it's just shouting, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's like I have a stupid opinion, and then everyone is like, "Well, that's a stupid really? opinion." Really? And then it, yeah, and it, but let me tell you mine. <laughs> well, I have an even worse opinion, but oh man, you haven't even you you don't <laughs> even know. You don't even know what kind of opinions I have. Um, <laughs> but I think that uh, I do. I'm glad people are talking about that kind of thing, and we've talked about it on the show before. And I, I think it's really important because I think for people who haven't gotten into the industry and people who are in the industry, like. Please, please value your your uh, work life balance because yes. we realized I think that studios don't give a shit, and um, <laughs> if they can keep you at your desk for nine hours, and somehow yeah. it got worse because I think when it you're did. when you're going into a studio, you kind of can like check in, and you show up and you're like, here I am, I am here, and they go, okay. And so it's a little easier for a director or your whoever superior supervisor to be like, okay, they, they were here at work today, but if you can't monitor somebody, then they're going to just expect you to be available all day. And that is just like unrealistic for a creative job where there might be a six hour period where you're just like doing nothing. And I, I know like, even working on Loud House, like we would always get our work done. There was never a missed deadline, but there would be days 
when like we were just goofing around playing like Breath of the Wild or something, you know. <laughs> I that, think that's that, more of a philosophy yeah. of the studio rather than like a side effect or, of or the, the show itself too. Yeah, because I feel like you know, yeah. it's I've I've lived both of those scenarios and it was uh, independent of the pandemic times. So that's true. Like, yeah, I, I was gonna yeah. say like, true my, too. My ex- I was gonna say my experience through the pandemic with jobs is I'm very thankful that they. I, I say I'm thankful a lot. It's true, but I'm sorry if I sound like broken record. Um, but basically, like I've been very lucky to be on some projects where they trusted us, and so, like, if I like, for example, I knew that I wouldn't be contacted unless there was an emergency for some days, and it really did make a huge difference. Oh yeah, because you know, if you constantly, it's what you're saying. Like I, I ha- I didn't get the the constant poking during pandemic but like v was saying like i've been at a job where i like my computer screen was like facing the the line producer's office so i felt and it was an open floor plan so i felt like i can't even look for reference because he might like i don't know what he's thinking but i think he's he's gonna think i'm not working and he's gonna do something so it's like even if he didn't do something it's that it's huh. that ta- it's the mental tax yeah it's like a pressure yeah you can f- it's not yeah. fun to feel somebody hovering in behind your you know behind oh my god room. no and it's, it's no even one worse yeah it's even worse when there's nobody hovering but you're constant like they're hovering psychically they're they're hovering yeah through your like uh availability on on teams or slack or whatever and it's just like Oh, That's yeah. even less reliable. Yeah, I, oh. I I won't say where or what, but I started a job at one point um, and recently, and like it it was such constant checking in and hovering within the first two weeks that I just quit. And there was a mm. there was a bigger incident that led to me quitting. Right. But it was it, it kind of sobered me up because like I had never I had yeah maybe I had been lucky like maybe I've been lucky to not have to work on a production or a studio that was like that. And it like snapped me back to reality where I was like, oh, I was right to like, I, I, this is, this is not something that I want to do. Like I need to find something that would make me feel happy day to day, you know? Yeah. But anyway, I'm just, I just want to say also huge kudos for, for understanding that, like for recognizing, well, your boundaries. It's, it it comes with time yeah i i think that when you're starting out i think that like you know whoever's listening to this and they might be starting out or something like it's really hard to get there and don't feel like don't feel bad if you feel like you need to you know put up with shit you should to some degree like when you're starting out you you have to just kind of take your hits and you have to just get more experience but you shouldn't also know your worth and you shouldn't let people abuse you and and not value your time and when you kind of realize that it's nice it's nice to know when you're to recognize when you're wanted and that your time is valuable and please please keep in mind that if you're being asked to do too much that's a problem with production that's a problem with the people who are making the schedules and are making everything else like it's probably not just you 
It's most, it's yeah. almost 99%, pro not just you. And even if it is, they hired you, so they should work with you on, on what's a reasonable schedule. And yeah, it kind of goes back to what we were saying about like, you know, this is something that you, you love doing, mm -hmm. right? And, and that sucks. <laughs> That, that's how it's you like, get you love doing it but why does it suck nah that's, turn that off like yeah. no don't turn that off that's how you that's but, how you um, get exploitation yeah and mm -hmm. i i actually on the subject of um like i i don't know if you said the word but communication is like that and you're absolutely right about like um you know to to people listening where it does it takes years to get to a point where you can stand up for yourself oh, because so hard like, for example, one of the things that happened to me on, well, I, I don't want to name names, even though it was yeah. a, a good thing. But very recently, I was on a show that, um, you know, I, this had to do with the pandemic, there was some confusion. And I handed in a board the day before um, the pitch. And, you know, my usual way of getting stuff done on this project was unfortunately because time management mm. does not function um i was basically the way i would do things was i do an all-nighter before the pitch working on it so yeah that's not do not do that no don't like that's a piece of advice i would say is start learning how to like start teaching yourself how to gauge your abilities realistically like don't say oh yeah i'm gonna do that at 3 a.m it'll be fine no you say i'm not going to be able to finish this by the deadline and i need to tell production as soon as possible so here's the point i handed in this board i pitched it and i actually and it was in really uh rough shape and you know the pitch went fine but i got uh Oh no, that was a different. <laughs> Sorry, this had, this had to do with I handed in a board. It was in super rough shape because pandemic. It was like the first board during pandemic. Yeah. And I got basically I got in trouble because I wasn't communicating. And the reason I wasn't communicating was because I was terrified to let them know like, uh, I am not going to finish my like if I had more days, I could finish this because I thought, no, the pitch is in two days and I need to be able to like they can't know like they'll they have so much going on. They'll be so no. Uh, and yeah. so what happened was the my director and the line producer made the executive decision based on the work I handed in to postpone the pitch to the following week, which yeah, good. And then they talked to me and they had a very, I got a very frank email about, please, you said that you thought that you could do this. And well, the fact is I still thought I could, but that doesn't make it re realistic. But it's like you said, you, you communicated to us that this wasn't a problem. Like we would love, like, basically it was frank and it was honest and it was a, it was a slap, a yeah. reality slap. I, I don't know where, where the slap was, but it, <laughs> it. Like I asked my director, like I talked talked to him first and I said, listen, I like, I want to talk about this. What can we do? And, you know, he was, he was talking to me about, you know, well, if you don't, if you're not going to be able to finish something, you have, you have to communicate that you like, you can't just like, it's really easy, especially when you're at home to not like want to check in, but you gotta. And I talked to my producer and the way that, you know, I asked her outright, will I get in trouble if I 
like communicate with you that I'm going to be late. And she said, no, like we, if yeah. you're going to be late, we need you. We, you're not going to get in trouble. And the sooner you do it, the, the better equipped we will be to provide you with an extension to like, to do all that stuff. So I would say the biggest thing that I learned was like, and this is something I don't think enough artists are, are introduced to in animation, which is communicate with production, communicate with each other. It's really easy, especially when we're all working from home mm -hmm. to just like not talk to our directors and to just insulate. But it's like production can't help yeah. you no. if you don't give them anything. And like they're not going to bite your hand. They're not going to say, "Oh, of course you you got that wrong. Of course you didn't hand it in on time because you can't." No, no they're going to say, do, "Oh, that's a that's a like a much yeah, that's a issue. really bad like you're you're on a like new don't if if somebody says that you can, you can go get to off the guild. that production. You can also take that yeah. to the guild. Like that's a problem. Yes, um, but um, but it's yeah. like a production is there to help you. So my advice is, please don't be afraid of production if you're no. on a show. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always had very good experiences and I think, uh, I just do that. I just talk to them. I think I, I let them know what's mm -hmm. going on. I ask questions and they love yes. me. That's all that you really yeah. takes. Like um, you, you make your production uh, team as happy as you can just by doing your job. That's yeah. like, that's great. They, they they also gonna... want to feel appreciated, you know, and I think that's a yeah. good, that's a way to do it. It's just like, yeah, like I I could honestly um, I know we're also whoa we are short for time. <laughs> um, we'll get to stuff. Yeah, and, finish finish. Okay, I mean I can definitely keep going, but I, I just wanted to say like my biggest thing also is I will go to bat for production anytime. Yeah, because they like I don't know how many people listening to this know it but i want people to know they get paid shit yeah they get paid they, shit. like most people in production don't make a living wage no and if we don't like if we as board artists who if you know in most cases we are making somewhat of a living wage so first of all mm -hmm. consider the fact that somebody is who's there to clean up your uh, their job is not to clean up your mess but they they will often be the one who has to mm. And they're, they're also the one that ships out your stuff. They're also the one that makes sure that your pitch is ready to go. And, you know, so first of all, recognize that they're doing so much shit for shit pay and respect them. Say thank you. Learn people in production's names. If, like, like mm. just, like, how many times have you been on a show and you wish that, like, one producer, one, one director might say hi to you because, like, Oh, I, I really like working with them, but they don't say hi. It's like, oh, what did I do? So it's like, and also they're human. It's crazy that that even needs to be mentioned. But there, I've met so many people that, um, especially older artists, I think, that just have this yeah. like stigma, and they, yeah, they treat production like shit. And I, I don't see it with younger artists. I think because we all understand each other a little better. <laughs> um, I think so too. And it's different. But yeah, we should move on. <laughs> I, th I get we could talk about that for ages. Yeah. How do you uh, how do you deal with creative block? Okay, so this one I actually do have. I wouldn't call it a system, but I have a plan. Okay. Um, so for me, like creative block sucks. It sucks for all of us, but not the show. <laughs> hey. I, 
you're listening to Create a Vlog. We have a Patreon now. Anyway. Oh, yay! Ah! I'm going to join that. For me, creative block is stagnation. Mm. Like, it's when I have done something so many times creatively that I'm not, like, I, my brain has adjusted to doing it, like, one way, and it's bored, and, like, so it's like if you're going through the motions physically, but the brain isn't, um, it's not engaged as much, and so... Like, that's how I think of creative block is when basically it's either not coming out how you want it because it doesn't look like how it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. It doesn't like look like how you think it's supposed to. But the thing about art, and this goes back to what I was saying about self-expression and all that, is, um, is like why we got into art in the first place is that sense of discovery. Like when you're a kid and you're drawing for the first time, the thing that usually keeps you drawing is when you realize, like, I made a cartoon character. Now I will draw a Mario. <laughs> I drew a Mario. This is so cool. So you take that joy of discovery and creation with you. So the trick when I have create when I have a creative block or an artistic block is I try to find that sense of discovery about art making. And it's not easy, but you usually have to, for for example, for me. Sometimes it's just slowing down, like just telling yourself, I will write it in my sketchbook, slow down and just stop trying to speed to the finish line of what you think this is going to be because it's not going to be there. You'll be unhappy. So that's like slowing down is one way. Switching hands is like, it can be really confounding to some people, but you will come up with some of the coolest ideas you didn't know you had. Because you're drawing with a hand that you, that is just, it doesn't, you know, unless you're ambidextrous and you, and you, like, I haven't practiced doing much with my, my left hand. So it's kind of impossible to draw with it. But when I do, it's, it's fresh. And I can use that for, let's say I, I draw some, like a shape with my left hand. I can take that, draw over it with my right hand and voila. So that, that's a fun thing you could do. And I think, like, it's just how you get to the finding that fun, that, that like, ease and separating yourself from that stagnation of, I have to, ha it has to be appealing. Like, how many times have we, have we sat down to draw and we keep not, we keep starting over because it's not appealing to us. So sometimes you just have to give yourself per uh, uh, permission to do an ugly drawing. Then you get out of your system. Maybe yeah. do a couple of ugly drawings because I guarantee you, if you do an ugly drawing, like nine times out of 10, when you look at it again later, you're going to go, whoa, how come I didn't like it when I was drawing that? Yeah, it, does, it is funny how that can happen sometimes. Like, I always feel like I was a better artist before for some reason because I, I think I like close up as I get older. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's the it's all about, you know, we as you grow older in especially in the industry and you've grown up with that it has to be perfect it has to be finished it has to be clean has to be appeal like all these yeah has to be that's a very if good point you, like the secret to feeling better is learning how to either turn off as much of that as possible and if you can't like if you can't turn it off yeah. trying to find like 
I, I think, no, like the sooner that you can stop thinking like that, the healthier that you will actually feel artistically. Yeah. Like you really just give yourself permission to do a, a quote unquote bad drawing. Try it. It's like you'll find that it can be really freeing. Especially with boards. That's really important. Yes. You're just trying to get <laughs> stuff done. Uh, and speaking oh, yeah. of that, we have a bunch of questions that are really good. So from at Shiny Scribbles, they ask, how was your first time seeing the finished animation of your boards and therefore also seeing your name in the first magical credits? This is something I always love to know about storyboard artists. Oh, let's see. So uh, I also want to load up. Oh, I don't need to load, load up the question. Um, basically, the first time I saw my name in credits was actually... Like, so, like I said at the start, I actually started in animation. So the first mm -hmm. time I saw my name in the credits, it was for, uh, it was for cleanup animation for, uh, for Super Jail Season 2. Nice. And, and like, thank you. And that was an absolutely magical feeling to not only be, like, to see my name and like, holy shit, it's on TV! Yeah. But also to be as part of one of my favorite shows. It was like, oh, ha, what is, ha! And that, like, I'm not going to lie, like, every, I've, the fact that I'm in, uh, I have a job that, like, my name gets to be on screen even for a second is, that is very rewarding. It's like I can point to something and say, holy crap, I, like, there it is. I did that. Yeah. And, and when it comes to boarding, like, I, I will say there was a little bit of a difference because uh, my first boarding union gig was on Mighty Magiswords, and so I was seeing my name in the title card of something. And not only that, like Mighty Magiswords, which is a, it was a Cartoon Network show, very, very fast, very fun, and a really cute, uh, like collecting swords of all types of sizes and, and magics. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend it. Um, but one of the things about that show was we actually ended up like a lot of the board artists, because it was outline driven, it was my first time doing writing of any kind, and I think for a while I thought, oh, but I'm I'm an and I, I do the designs and I don't know if I can write. And then the minute that I was being asked to to come up with dialogues, like wait a minute, I can do this. Somebody trusted me to do this. This is incredible. And so the feeling of seeing my my name in those credits was like holy crap. This is like, this is cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good moment. It's a very fulfilling it's, moment. It's very special. I'm not, I like, you know, to this day, if I see my name in the credits, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> At Cash Cash asks, question for Zoe. Do you feel like you're more uh, able to be more creative with your boards in kids animation or adult animation? And also, what do you like to prioritize in your boards? Humor, action, slow talking scenes, et cetera. Mm. So um, while I have worked in both kids and adult animation, I worked in adult animation as, as part of the animation process. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I guess character design as well. Like I was actually, like I said, animator for a lot of adult swim stuff. But then I was also a character designer on season one of, uh, of BoJack. Mm, cool. Which was experience. And thank you. And the... And then the boarding was all, all completely on more kids shows. And so I will say, like, in that sense, 
like, I can't accurately answer the question about which one has more freedom, but mm-hmm. I will say based on how I tend to work and how the kinds of stories I like to tell visually, I think that uh, kids' animation is more freeing for me. But, you know, there if there's a really fun, silly adult show that, you know, embraces things like more cartoony animation and less flash stuff or, or just... I think kind of the adult shows that I would want to make, um, that would be a different case. But I think most of the time adult animation tends to, I I think of more sitcom stuff. And I think that tends to be a lot more strict. Whereas with kids animation, it's like, draw, you like match the size, but (laughs) you don't have to be 100% on model. And that's a, that's a gift. If you get a show like that and you know, don't take it lightly. Like, have fun, but do pay attention to what they need you to do. And yeah. and what do I prioritize in my boards is I've so I've mostly I think I've only ever been on humor shows, which I think is pretty obvious. <laughs> so humor is definitely something that I gravitate towards. I just love entertaining, but uh, when it comes to the kinds of character interactions, I really like to do acting. Like I love character emotion stuff i love to have characters eat a scene and i wish that i like i i admire good action scene but when i get like here's an action scene i'm like uh (laughs) i need a minute i need to breathe and if i get if i get an acting scene it's like ah yes i know exactly what i'm going to do Mm. so it's it's kind of like that cool give me a table scene (laughs) yeah those are nice in regards to entering the industry later in life as a board artist, um, could one's portfolio include solely boards, comics, and illustrations, or do you feel that animation needs to That's be present as well? FD Kuba. Yes. Okay. So, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, it's from uh, at FD Kuba. Kuba. Well, I think that, let's see. So the question is about entering later in life. Um, I personally think that a portfolio for boarding, if you just have boards, comics, and illustrations, that should be fine. Um, Because a strong uh, storyboard or story portfolio is going to concentrate more on can you tell the story effectively? Yeah. Like the scene that you have boarded, does it make sense in the way that like most TV show boards do? Can you communicate visually? You don't need to have animation for that but animation like if you know how to animate that is going to help your boarding infinitely like you if you have that you're you're dangerous yeah it's good it's a good thing to have i feel like yeah most most board artists seem to have like a comic portfolio before they have an animation portfolio yeah like i'll say um the whole i think the whole way that i started like that i got the job for Magiswords was obviously knowing Kyle like he he like knew what I was capable of and he knew my sense of humor but it was because I was doing pizza day comics with Jacob that he could tell that I was able to do it like here's the visual proof so I do recommend to anyone who wants to get into boards like um you don't have to have a fully fleshed out story comic that you update every single week but you should be, like, if you want to do boards, it's going to help you get noticed a lot more. 
if even if you're doing simple gag comics or auto bio comics, like people pay attention to those when they're looking for board artists because it's a it's an automatic way of like ah artist knows how to tell stories sequentially. Granted, it doesn't like if you're good at comics, it means that you're good at visual storytelling, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're good at storyboarding. But that doesn't like you know I think that there's a good chance that you will like pick up storyboarding much easier if you know how to do comics than if you didn't. I think that's very true. So there's like a lot of board artists that have been hired from comics. I think like of adventure yes. time, I think Cartoon Network used to do that a lot. I don't know if they still do it as much, but definitely yes. yeah. Comics is, especially if you have like a ongoing comics, like your pizza day comics or like, I remember Medi, um, with Bravius, um, Remember that comic? Uh, not Bravest Warrior, but like uh, Save Us, Save Us, uh, Save Us Brave Warrior. Octopus? That one was so fun. Oh, yeah. I, oh man, like I feel like a piece of my brain meat just got pulled <laughs> back and something got uncovered. <laughs> like that. Like I feel like yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. I think that's so funny. But yeah, yeah, comics was definitely great. And boards, obviously, yeah. I mean, it's all, it's, at its core, they're both visual storytelling, and I mean, I wish that they're, I love that comics can be a really good way to get someone's attention, but, you know, I only say this because of my, this is where my, uh, crusty, what's it called, crusty, cynical, maybe not cynical, but jaded. I wish that, you know, just, it was a lot easier to understand mm-hmm. what you're getting into when you take a job in the industry because you know there's like yay i got hired for my webcomic and then you get to the job it's like i thought that i was being hired to do yeah. my like basically my webcomic it's like no no young no, no young 17 year old comic no. artist we found on tumblr even though that doesn't really happen anymore no well you we hired you to do this job it's like but you didn't I wasn't prepared for this by you, the company. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I love that the internet allows you to, to find new talent. And I like, that's the greatest thing, but I really wish that it was a lot easier to know what is expected for the job at part, because like, have you ever been on a, on a production where most of the board artists or most of the workers are first timers? Mm, I don't know about most, but I mean, Loud House had a lot of uh, people that were young coming out of school. Yeah. And it's like you, when, when that, like, there's something really fascinating that when you're on your first job and it's usually the, like the really young crowd and nobody has a healthy relationship with work yet they're just kind of like I, I think i'm here i'm but i can't do the work properly so i'm gonna stay here until 3 a.m mm-hmm. um but then it, then you get on a show with a with a veteran and they're like yeah i'm leaving at five because i gotta, yeah, pick, gotta pick my kid up from soccer they don't give it's a like shit. wait you can do that yeah you can you can prioritize your your life over your job and so you don't know that going in because you think no i i must not get fired like you're not gonna get fired you're not gonna get fired we promise yeah one last question from at jane gumball uh uh, love zoe uh i've got a cue 
Zoe, what made storyboarding click for you? When did you realize you enjoyed it? I actually have an answer. So, and I, a very specific, like, I may not, I may be tangenty, like, right now. But, oddly enough, I remember this. So, I was, I, that there's a, I don't know how small it is anymore. I think it's definitely grown, but... At the time that I was contacted by it, it was a very small independent studio called Oddbot. And mm-hmm. um, at the time, in Eagle Rock sort of going into Pasadena. And I got, I was um, recommended to it by, by my friend who was also my director on uh, BoJack. And I was in a place of, I had just been like, suddenly let go from my job at the time they said for financial like for budgeting reasons and so i was kind of like i don't mm. know what do mm-hmm. um i was in a very dark place i would basically i was living downtown at the time and mm-hmm. i some days i couldn't get out of bed because i was just so depressed and then some days i'd be like i'm gonna the only way i can get out of bed is if i guess i smoke pot and go to curry house <laughs> Because that's Rest in where peace, I was. Curry House. I know, but I think there's a new curry place that so I'm yet I to hear. try. I hope it's good. Yeah. Um. So I was in, you know, that place, but I got recommended to Oddbot, and I, I did a cleanup job, and I remember thinking, I'm like, when I stopped doing cleanup, or initially, I was like, I'm never doing cleanup again. That's that's not what I'm gonna focus on. I'm going to other other departments and i got the call like do you want to clean up this project nah. and i was hungry so i'm like yes but i'm glad i did it because you the sooner you learn to swallow your pride the better yes absolutely so so like i did the job it went well and then i got contacted like less than a week later like hey um it you have a couple of samples for storyboarding in your portfolio um would you be interested in doing a, a storyboard project and I thought initially, well, you know, yeah, I need the money. And more than that, I, I need like to actually get a storyboarding credit in my portfolio or on my resume if I'm going to try to do that. And at this time, I'm, I'm still thinking, I want to do design, but it gives me anxiety. Mm-hmm. I want to animate, but it gives me anxiety. Mm-hmm. What do I do? Mm-hmm. And anxiety from the extreme deadlines, I should mention. So I came in, I did the storyboarding gig, and it was for... Uh, an educational project so like we're we're talking the characters going like is the apple heavier than the (laughs) banana and it's like i don't give a shit it's 3 a.m as you can tell i have time management issues um but i will never forget the feeling on the second day um on the job when it just it clicked and it was sort of like huh i really i really like doing this i'm not required to be super clean like with with design i'm not required to draw them doing every single frame like with animation but i'm but it's still i think the thing that really attracted me to it was it was still employing a lot of those like those techniques just i was able to space it out a lot more and Uh and just it all made it just the feeling of it made sense in a way that other things didn't and so, like I said, I love storyboarding. It is at its best, like when you find your confidence and your comfort zone with boarding, it's the best feeling in the world. Cause you can, 
Like, hey, I don't need a camera. <laughs> I am the camera. Yeah. If you if you have the energy. Um, and you know, like I recommend it. Like when I I didn't even consider doing storyboards until I was doing storyboards seriously. Like I thought, no, I'm <laughs> I, I'm absolutely designed. I don't know anything about story, so I I'm really glad I didn't listen to myself. <laughs> yeah, we are our own worst enemies usually. Yes. Um, is we there? Think we know. What is uh? What are some goals you have for the future? Well. One is learning how to stay on track okay. <laughs> and not ramble, but I don't think that will ever necessarily happen. So I will say um, one thing I would love to get better at is learning how to board more simple because, um, and this is something I could go into, but I won't, but basically this, like, I'll, I'll keep it quick. Storyboard Pro is fantastic especially if you've ever boarded digitally before with anything else. Forget about it. Photo I personally can't stand boarding in Photoshop. I can't stand boarding in Flash. I love Storyboard Pro because it takes yeah. out all the, all the thinking. Mm -hmm. However, it also means that you can time out your boards exactly. You can add a bunch of poses to the point where it's just animated. You can, and here's my problem, you can mag you can really zoom in and get those detail shots that nobody is going to be able to see because the drawing's only on screen for a second yeah no one's gonna see it and like even even today i was doing um like i've been doing some concept art for for a personal project and you know i when i really let myself just zone out i'll start to and and when i'm anxious i'll be like oh i should use the perspective tool and then I worry too much about, is this right? No, this angle's wrong. Is this right? No. Instead of just doing it. And when the magnification's on, it's like, okay, I'm going to, that's when the noodling happens. And I, that's my biggest problem as an artist is if I, if you let me, I'll like, it's like, I'm still talking about this. I will do that with art. It's just noodling, 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 never settling. But if you take away the zoom, suddenly you have to see what it's going to look like at the size it's intended for. And then suddenly, if you don't, if you remove yeah. the zoom, like, function from your, from your uh, keyboard shortcuts, it may feel really wrong, but it can often be the thing that gets you to learn. I think that's good advice. To, I think yeah, I, it's like, it's, yeah, I think a lot of people get locked into that too. I am guilty of it too. And I think uh, yeah. working and, and I mean, like you're. It's interesting because your boards are actually like they're super clean, but they're really effectively clear. I usually work and, pretty zoomed out. <laughs> That's like well, I've, there there you go. Like I'm definitely I'm gonna like I start a new gig on Monday, and I'm definitely gonna try to keep that one in mind because that could be the that and this is why I also like urge young listeners to learn how to work like at full size and not zoomed in all the time because this if i don't zoom in it could be the thing that gets me to handing it in on time without doing an all-nighter and that's important like that's healthy yeah i think there's something to that because i think most people are gonna take it in at such a fast pace that it's probably equivalent to drawing it at 50 percent uh, size yeah. you know it's it's just the broad strokes i think it's also like photoshop 
uh, probably that's probably where I learned how to zoom in and, and not yeah. not zoom in. I feel like also having like um for the longest time I couldn't really afford a, a bigger oh, Cintiq. Yeah. So the first Cintiq I had was like the thirteen, uh, thir- mm-hmm. thirteen yeah. inches I think. Is that like? And those are actually great because they you can't afford to zoom in. That's so just very like, true. You know, like mm. for boards, you don't need like the big Cintiqs, like unless you're like a painter. No, that's for painters. Like, yeah. Boards and painting. But if you're a board artist, I would definitely tell people just buy the small one. Buy the small. It's kind Cintiq. of a it's kind of a curse, and I I uh, realized I got worse at like Zoe says the noodling when I got a bigger workspace. Yep. And mm. I actually bought a tiny tablet. Um, like late last year to get out of that habit and create that little separation of like work and drawing for fun. And so now like when I'm doing my own stuff, it's just on a tablet still. I have a giant Zantik and then I do all my own stuff on a little tablet yep. on the couch and awesome. it helps. It helps. It, it separates. Like, a, like I would say the, fa- when I board the fastest, it's when I'm doing thumbs on like tiny one by like 1.5 post-it notes 100 percent. yeah i think everyone it's because yeah sorry i cut you off oh no no, i was just gonna say i think everyone should do like paper thumbnails i really i i cannot stress enough how much faster that helps me go i always thumb on paper oh yeah 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 like the the thing that the thing that breaks my heart is i 100 percent agree but i this has happened to me a couple of times when i've been on a job where I've done the paper thumbnails, I've put them in the board and presented that in in the pitch, the thumbnail pitch. And I've had people tell me like, you know, this is great, but you should really see if you can learn how to do it digitally so you're not like doing this whole extra like part of the process. And the thing is, while yes, I would love to do that, I would love to be able to just go straight ahead and and I am right now because I've been practicing it but it's like I hate yeah. that I'm like no I have a system that works and I know that it's an extra it's extra but it's like do you want me to be able to do the boards fast or do you want me to <clears throat> for like several days I know it's yeah. like that's like, yeah, I, I'm so sad to hear that productions won't, like some productions won't be okay with like paper thumbnails. But yeah, I I, 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 I do them anyway, even though I have to redo them in, in digital, like right after, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, because here's the other thing that, and, and I mean, like, I was going to say if I impart anything, it's just, uh, as the biggest thing I have learned through boarding up to this point is that there's no there's jake says it best and i think i'm gonna mangle it but it's like there's no there's no wrong way to tell to storyboard something but there is a a correct way or there's no oh yeah i'm gonna mess it up but i'll say what it means which is basically i'm so sorry i'll look this up but basically the saying is is tied into there's so many ways to do to do a storyboard there's not one set way and and that's the beauty of it is you know you're going to tell the story your way and sometimes you know your director will say no i need you to tell it this way but there is a successful it's like you can tell the story any way you want but there is going to be a certain successful way or 
or like the really the most yeah it's like the, the successful way to tell the story and there's ways that you know you, you try something and it doesn't work and well that's what all the techniques are for and you learn that and blah, blah, but I, I guess what I'm trying to say is oh yeah the sooner that people can learn that there's no like 100% set way that they have to board I think that's that's good like you don't have to do anything in a very particular way you just does it does it do the job did you do it successfully and healthily like did yeah, you not great. lose sleep over it and it got and it worked oh my god then yeah keep doing that cool is there anything you want to plug while you're on the show yes um i am trying to think of what i want to plug and the, well. the only real <laughs> well uh you can visit me on the internet at places mm-hmm. like instagram which i believe is zoe moss art so i'll just we'll put it up on screen and it'll be in the description oh. um so zoe moss art at um that's my instagram that's a good way to see like basically any updates about my art twitter i'm there at i believe zoe yeah. moss art and i'm always writing and I'm always shit posting. <laughs> I'm always writing about how much I hate mosquitoes now because they won't stop eating me. Yeah. Alive. I don't know where they came and from. I I can tell you if you want. Why is but, there a bog somewhere? No, there's actually okay. This is really fast. The ankle biting mosquito, aka the I think it's eighties or addies mm-hmm. mosquito. It's I believe it's from Asia, and it came in a in a container crate shipment and damn i know so it's an it's an invasive species which is why it's so aggressive yeah fuck and, i didn't even realize this was like a new thing oh no this is a pretty recent thing like um i think about I've noticed like i think about three years ago is when people start saying ah these new guys are really aggressive and the thing is they're called ankle biters because well i should even i know i should be I should be promoting myself, but I gotta finish this. Basically, they're smaller than than the mosquitoes that we're used to. Yeah, like they're smaller than a dime. They have black and white um, markings on their legs, so that's usually how you know you're dealing with one. And they like normally mosquitoes as we used to know them. Like they would bite birds or other animals during the day, but the, the ankle biter mosquitoes bite humans throughout the day and throughout the night and like they don't care they're aggressive so that's why we're all covered with welts but that's also why i always say like oh angle biter mosquitoes i hate them (laughs) so with that i know like ask so visit my twitter and visit zoe's twitter and ask me all about ankle biter mosquitoes and why they should die and the and um, (laughs) i have two more things to promote yeah go for it um, my actual website, if you want to see more of the professional stuff and the paintings, is brainfardo.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, once again, brainfardo.com. And if you go there, you can also find the link to basically the Twitter, the, the Instagram, the online shop, which if you like my art, you can get sketches and s- stickers. And we, I don't know the... Well, I'll just say there's going to be a really cool update to it that you might want to check out. And that'll be hopefully soon. Uh, And then 
Uh, I was going to say buy a pizza shirt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't know the details, but that's what I'm trying to set up is because like we did the pre-orders. Thank you to everyone who purchased. Seriously. But we want they are available. We just need to set it up so that people can actually order them now. Yeah. Um, So that's the big surprise. Buy a pizza shirt. Yes, they're awesome. And so for some reason, people say that they are the most comfortable shirt they, yeah. they've ever worn. And the reason is like, yeah, that's why it took us so long to make because we, we actually went through a lot to quality control. Them. They're not just simple. Yeah. Um, last, thing I'll say is, last thing I'll say is Pizza Day Comics. Uh, it's our webcomic that J- brought Jake and I together um, in the world of webcomics. Right. We've been together for so long, but web comes. Nice. Um, recommend that. I'm I'm starting to like. I think my brain is oozing out of my mouth. I apologize. <laughs> that's okay. But maybe that's okay. Yeah, that's, okay. that's totally fine. Well, that's the end of this creative block. Thanks to Zoe for being our guest and sharing her story. And thanks to your listeners. Follow us on Twitter. It's at Creative Block, Creative without the vowels, where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask our guests. Huge thanks to my sister, Clemens, for editing the podcast. If you love our show, then support us on Patreon. Becoming a patron gets you early access to interviews as well as bonus episodes. Click the link in the description of this episode. I've been your host, Gene. And I was V. Keep being creative, and we'll see you next week. Bye! Look out for mosquitoes! Ah! Ah!